When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a lemon. There they are, Cappy and Sedano. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you are where are you right now? I just landed a like maybe less than 90 minutes ago. Had you been in you'd been in Denver, correct? I was, and there was a strange travel day, one of those days today. One of those. What happened? Um so I get up, I go to the airport, I had a ten o'clock flight, Denver time. And um, I, on my way there, I get the alert that says your flight has been delayed. Ooh. And I'm like, all right, whatever. No big deal. So then I start to do the thing that I like to do when I see the flights delayed. I'm like, well, let me see where this other plane's coming from. Right? How long of a delay, George? Well, initially it said it was only going to be like an hour. Okay, no big deal. Right. So I go and I'm looking at the flight. And I'm like, well, wait a second. This flight is supposedly coming from El Paso in the same time zone. It was supposed to have left at 7. And I'm like, and it still hasn't yeah, taken off tell. yet. Oh, yeah. you're on Southwest, huh? No, United. Oh, okay. That sounds yeah, like a Southwest I'm coming from Denver. It's just a million. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you can do this on almost any app now. Yeah. All of them have it. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, that's not good. So I'm like, what's the next flight? <laughs> so I, I walked over to the gate where the next flight would be. And the lady was like, can you give me a minute? I'm finishing this Atlanta flight. I'll get. We're going to get to the LA one in a minute. I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then all of a sudden I hear George and I turn around and it's Mike Breen. He's like, "Were you on the ten o'clock flight?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Were you also looking to get on this eleven something flight?" Oh, I'm like, boy. "I'm like, yeah." He's like, "Yeah, but my bags, I checked them in." I said, "Mike, they'll take care of your bags. Don't worry about that." So we're sitting there. All of a sudden, all these media people and ESPN people start popping up and all trying to get on these flights to LA. It was it was hilarious and everybody's like freaking out like, "Oh my god, what can I do if we can't get on this one? We got to get on one at 145." And it was just like that kind of morning. It was super stressful and we were all bouncing around. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Denver airport, oh, yeah. but it's it's humongous, yes, okay? It like I literally put in 4,000 steps today yeah. just going to all these different gates and trying to figure all this stuff out. But as we were about to try to figure out to try to get on that later flight, they sent us an alert and it said, your new flight will be leaving out of Terminal A or oh. whatever. Oh, no. And and but it's leaving at 1045, which, of course, it was never really going to leave at 1045. But we were all like, all right. And then we checked to see and there was a new plane coming in for us. So we were good to go. So we all got on that flight left around, you know, I don't know, closer to noon, to be honest with you. Um, but we all made it and we're all here now. But Did crazy, you, just a long, like stressful morning. Yeah, you know, it's like not, not needed. You were know? you were you guys all seated near each other, like all the ESPN folk? Um, well, most of them were behind the scenes types, producers, cameramen, people like that. Um, Which so also Breen and means I, behind the first class people, behind the scenes people in the production group. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There was um, there were I, there were a couple people within you know seated near us, but I was in row one and Mike was in row three. There you go. Breen, there a good flyer. Go. Oh, he's excellent. He was what? Let me tell you something. Breen and I, I hadn't caught up with him like that because usually when I'm working with him, yeah. like, you know, we'll chat for a little bit or maybe we'll grab dinner or whatever. But it'd been a minute. It'd probably been at least a month or so. So it was nice to just kind of chit chat with him. You know, um, I'm going to tell some stories. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I sat next to Breen and Van Gundy in the press room at the last game. They were not chatty at all. Like, George, I felt like I was, like, in the way. Like, like did I do something? Or did I, like, I kept trying to engage. And, you know, after a while, you just get the hint. You're like, all right, they're, like, trying to lock in or something like that. And I was like. What game was that? Uh, was it game, the Warriors? Yeah. Game, hey, you know, it could, game six. Lock in. Come on. <laughs> it could be. It could be. That some, you never know what's going on, right? Like, you know, yeah. maybe there was something going on, like, and they were just, or they were just tired of traveling or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they, I got to tell you, though, watching them and listening to them, there's a point last night in the game where uh, Van Gundy and, and Jackson are both like, what has happened to the game that I love? What is <laughs> yeah. wrong yeah. with the NBA? What is up with these calls and these fouls? And I hear Mark Jackson go, what has happened to the game that I love? I must tell you, I really like that crew. That, that's a fun crew to listen to. You know, I, I love Kevin Harlan, and I love the TNT guy, but I, that Breen crew. Yeah, Breen's the best. Breen, Breen, is, Breen is amazing. They're good. Yeah. And he's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever yeah. find. Um, and um, just genuinely a nice. My first game at the, when I did sidelines, you know, many, many years ago now, yeah. was with him. It was him and Jeff. And he, was, he came right up to me and he said, He's like, Georgie, whatever you need, let me know. We're working with an old school producer. He doesn't like to work in the reporter. If he oh. gives you any grief, just shoot me a text. And I was like, okay. And yes. every single thing I wanted to do got in that game, game wow. one. Wow. Um, That's nice. So he, he's an incredible person. Um, I, I, I owe him a ton. But um, yeah, it was, they're great. And by the way, I thought the coolest thing, now I saw this live too. Obviously, I, I didn't get to hear it because I was at the game, but I know Laker fans don't want to hear this, but Jamal Murray saying bang to Mike Breen is so, pretty out of control. Oh God, fun. That was amazing. Yeah, that was, that was hilarious. pretty iconic, especially if they go on and win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like your Heisman moment. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> doing anything in like in my life to hear a, be uh, a Breen bang afterwards would be amazing. That would just be like, good. <laughs> just knowing some that, ideas. that bang was coming. Mm -hmm. So Mike told me he didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> Mike told me he didn't know because when he... After he hit the shot, he looked down to see how many points he had. So he missed it. Ah. And then Mark Jackson said it on the air. He said, he just said bang to you. <laughs> well, I blame Van Gundy for a lot of times when, when Breen is looking for something. Van Gundy will come up with a question in the middle of a game. Like, well, how many rebounds has he had in the last eight games combined? And then all of a sudden, Breen is like quiet for a few seconds. He's like, I, 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 should I know that? I'm looking. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out my stats guy. We're Googling it. I don't know, coach. Like, I think it's hilarious how often... Van Gundy asks an open-ended question, and Breen needs a few seconds until his statistician comes up with an answer. He's kind of like, uh, remember in Best in Show, Fred Willard as yeah. the co-announcer, just throwing yeah. out mm -hmm. random stuff that the you know the straight-laced other announcer has to react to, having no idea what to say. <laughs> right? Breen kind of becomes that with yeah. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. <laughs> oh no, yeah. he's he's definitely the straight man in that conversation. But There's like, no question about to that. To my press room conversation, I think what it is is they have to save up. All of their energy yeah. to do that on the broadcast all the time. Oh, you got to be on. It's like yeah. doing a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no question. Now, in the morning, you know, I see him at the at the airport. You know, we're, we're chit chatting the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, yeah. I think, I think Momo. You know, right before a game, those guys are pretty locked. They are locked in. in. You know what I mean, yeah, I mean, having pressure. worked with those guys for a lot, of, trying to remember yeah, how to just, say everybody's name and all the stats and stuff. They're yeah. focusing on stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I would say if you see them on an off day, that's usually now listen, when Stan most Van Gundy. Stan, oh, Greg, it's chatty all the time. Chatty, chatty all the time. Greg, yeah. I was like introducing Greg to Stan Van Gundy at the game. 
you were not introduced. Well, you did. You, you did totally introduce- turtled. No, I, there was no turtling. I t- we've talked about this before. <laughs> I walked up and he said, hey, Greg Bergman, nice to meet you. And he looked and he said, hi, nice to meet you. And then he turned his back and went back to Ramona. Yeah, so but I you, was had, behind you had nothing him. to say. What am I? But oh, if you were high, yes, I agree. If you have something, hey, Stan is very chatty. To Momo's point, yeah, chatty. If you had well, something to say, he'd he, he, he'd go back with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go I'm, back I'm sure whole... he would have. I said hi. He said hi, and then he t- immediately turned around. And usually, There's what I do, more to do is I pick their brains. I'm like, you guys have been covering the series. You know what's going on. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? What do you think about putting LeBron on Jokic or you know whatever? Right? By the way, that was a good conversation that we were supposed to have that day with Woj. You know, it's like, hey, yeah. So, what do you think? Like, that's an icebreaker, Bergie. You know, but I understand if Van Gundy, you know, gave you the back. You know, like <laughs> I tried. I, I did like three. Turn. I was like, okay, I did like three volleys when I was talking to those guys. Like three tries with Breen, three tries with Van Gundy, and it was just no dice. It was like, shut up and let me eat my chili. You know, like it was like one Who of was those eating chili. I, they have really good chili in the press room there. Boy, Vic, um, if I had the chili before a game broadcast, <laughs> who the hell? Not me. I'm not eating that before half. a broadcast. <laughs> Either I'm with you, Captain. What if I was wearing white pants that night? Oy vey. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, I'm not doing God, that either. Man. I'm not doing that either. <laughs> this Bergman, conversation when, went in a weird place. If yeah. Van Gundy, if, <laughs> if if Stan pops in again yeah. I, and you're there, I'm going to be like, Stan, my guy. And he's probably not going to remember meeting you the first time, so you need not. to come up with something. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, now, Am I remembering this correctly? I'm not, like, that... trying to have these conversations. Oh, wait. This is great. Are you ready for this? <laughs> sure. You yeah, ready what? for this? After his interview with Cassidy Hubbard following Game 6 in Philadelphia, Jason Tatum is now sporting a shirt with the word humbly splashed across the chest as he warms oh, up for Game 6 You can't two do tonight. that. You can't do that. It's pretty See, good. I actually I like have it. a shirt. I have a shirt that um, that is is you know it, it, there's irony to it because I it, it says humble but still the best. So that's funny. You know what I mean? That's not that's supposed to be tongue in cheek. But him doing that, I don't know if I I don't know if I love that. I love how, it. want to tell how me about how about Cappy here? with the fortunate moment? Have you you already have those shirts? I haven't made those yet, but that's a good one. What a that's, fortunate moment we find ourselves in. That's a really good T-shirt. Yeah, do it. Another T-shirt I'm working on right now. Is um, <laughs> is uh, George? How's the phrase go? Two things can be true. How's yeah, two go? things can be true at the same time. Yeah, right. That's one. I got another one that says. I got. Uh, I gave you one the other day. We find ourselves in. I gave right. you one the other day. Uh, when in doubt, zoom out. Well, yep. Yeah, I like that. that. Recently, you've been using yeah. that recently. That's new mm-hmm. to. The, that's a new phrase that you've just popped out on us. That make yeah. for a nice T-shirt. Yeah. What about the one about future injury and past injury? Oh, the biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. I feel right. like it's too wordy for Not a shirt. A no, 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 no. But you do it. You do it um, half on the front, half on the back. <laughs> Make sure you pay George, though. You know, right? Just saying. Got to pay him. Yes. Give them some context to this sound. No, I know the context to it. It's the lady stepping on the um, uh, on the grape. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I know that the Levitard and those guys back in their early days. I'm talking about like 15, 20 years ago. Used uh-huh. to play that all the time. I had never heard this before. Like if, if before today, yeah, before today, I oh never, my god, yeah, I mean, people have mil- millions and t- tens of millions of people have watched that. I know. Probably it's one of the first viral videos. I feel yeah. awful for this woman. Yeah, le- like this is the one thing she's known for: falling over from a bucket of grapes and making an inhuman sound mm-hmm. while in agony. Cappy, have you heard that video before? Have you seen it? I have, but it's like it wasn't something that George. You immediately got it. I it, I was like, you know what? I think I've heard that. And then you guys said something about crushing the grapes, but it's kind of sounds to me like the Fast and the Furious Part Two. Like I don't really remember. Oof. That was for you, Andy. I know. 
<laughs> I've never watched any Fast and the Furious movie, so and I don't plan on starting anytime soon. Well, well neither I, did we, and yet we just played an entire game of games that was all Fast and the Furious based. And did you know that Fast and the Furious was great until apparently about six, then that was some sort of offshoot, and then they came back. Was and that it was the okay. Tokyo Drift? No, Tokyo Drift was the third in the series. Um, it's probably the worst of all of them um, up there with the worst, if nothing else. The spinoff you were referring to, Cappy, is Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, starring The Rock and Jason Statham, which was a lot of fun. It has started going downhill since 6. 6, I would argue, is the best of all of them. Well, but didn't I read that this was supposed to be the last one, but now they're going to do like a spinoff of the last one and make it like a four-part movie or oh something? Oh, my God. Like that? Yeah. Well, look, if you're Vin Diesel, you don't let this thing go. Mm. I mean, like from your cold, dead hands, if you yeah. are Vin Diesel, do yeah. you let this thing go? Because he ain't opening any other movies. This is it for Vin Diesel. Andy, are you do you pronounce Vin with a s or a z? I'm more of a diesel guy. <laughs> Vin are you diesel. a diesel guy? I think I go S. I think I go diesel. Vin Diesel. I go with like more of a Z. You go more Z? Z? Yeah, Vin like Z. the diesel, like Di- uh, like Shaq, you know? Vin Diesel. Like, yeah. You know what? I think you guys are right. I think I should be going Z. I think Vin Diesel does sound better than Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, diesel. Yeah, like, diesel sounds like better diesel for him. Diesel trucks. Diesel gasoline. Um, Momo, so I've got something for you from yesterday. Okay. And so I love Michael Malone and how he yeah. gives no, no Fs, right? Oh, I think he cares, yeah. Okay, go no, ahead. What I mean, I mean that he doesn't give any Fs about speaking his mind uh-huh. in that regard. Right. So, But he clearly gives Fs because he wouldn't be speaking his mind the way he speaks his mind. But I think that it's it. I'm done with it. Like, he's got to move on from this thing now. Yeah, this idea that the whole discussion after they won game one was about Rui Hachimura had No, he was right, break. though. He was right. Uh, not really. No, no, no. He was 100% right. I was talking right. all about Jokic on the show the next day. Mo- 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 how great I, Jokic I, was. I consumed an entire day of both our network and other networks and the internet. Yeah. And I would say that the overwhelming majority was the, the Lakers had figured this thing out. But why? why should he get over it? Oh, I think it's it. it you, you're up 2-0 now, bro. You don't need to. You, that's it. You're, it's, you've made your point. What was the, what was the quote last night? You're up 2-0 and smoke. Take that and put it in your pipe. Put it in your pipe it. and smoke, smoke it. it. You, once right. you use the phrase, put it in your pipe and smoke it, there's finality to this, in my opinion. <laughs> that's the mic drop? Yeah. Yeah. I would still be using it. I'd be in that locker room every night going, they still don't believe in us. Well, Jamal he... scored 37 points, and they still don't believe us. They're talking about Rui and Reeves. They still don't believe. No, they're I'd, not. I'd no, it's it. not. Everybody was talking know, about Jamal Murray last night. That's yeah, what I'd be yeah. selling to yeah, the Yeah, but team, then, you know? see, but you're, yeah. again, you're the guy that takes it one step too far. No, I mean, well, look, he's just firing his Michael team Malone up. Maybe the same. That's right. See, I'm just yeah. trying to keep my team engaged, Oh, listen, George. let me tell you something. In I, I made, you know, and Momo, you've done this job on, yeah. on, on radio, so you know you're in, on the sideline on radio, unlike on TV, you're in the huddle all the yes, time. Yes, all the time. Because there's no, you know, cameras. You're like a total, you can, I feel like, I felt like a total creeper. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just because, like sauntering into the huddle, yeah. sneaking in, see if I can eavesdrop on it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not even saunt- I'm not even like you just hiding go. it. I- I'm like yeah, okay. right there. Yeah. I'm like, hey, coach, I'm right in front of you. Um, actually, I don't do front of you. I do like an angle. Yeah, um, I do an angle too. Yeah, I do an angle. So, and then I ask angle, like some assistant coach, what do you say? Seventy percent. Because I can't hear. Yeah. I would say like like a forty five degree angle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, forty five yeah. askance. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, you know, it could be left or right, you know, depending on where there's more room. Um, but, like, I, I, there's a lot of stuff that you – I think the oh, radio sideline is so much more fun because of that, right? Correct. Because on, on TV, 
you know, we already have camera people there and, and these coaches are mic'd up. So we air some of that stuff. But on the radio, you have to be in those huddles because that's part of the broadcast. So, so when, whether it's Darwin, like yeah. I was I, I would literally like when they were done in the huddles. I would just tell in my talk back to the producer and be like, hey, tell Mark Kessischer and PJ Carlissimo LeBron's going to guard Jokic. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen on the next possession. You know what I mean? And like, yep. um, and then, and obviously it would happen, right? Or they're going to double Jokic if LeBron's not, or if AD's not in the game, right? Like, I would pass that information along to the broadcast. Now, the stuff I would report was usually stuff more along the lines of like this. Like, you know, Darvin saying like, guys, you know what? It's a game of runs, blah, blah, blah. You know, the stuff that you would get on camera, right? Like, that's the stuff I'm saying on the actual broadcast podcast um but the malone stuff was interesting because to your point momo he's kind of a crazy person in a lot of ways mm-hmm. all right like he does like to fire up his team at one point when the lakers were up double digits in the second half he was like he he called a quick timeout because i think they jumped out to like a 7-0 run or a 9-0 yeah. run or something to start the half the second half and he went in the huddle. He looked at every five, uh, every one of the five guys who was sitting there in the starting group. And he goes, are you playing as hard as you can play? Are you playing as hard as you can play? Wow. Are you playing? He did it to all five of them. I felt like this is how I treat my children. Like, this is amazing. And these, th- there was more. Remember what he was saying? He was going, this is the Western Conference Finals. Yes, yes. that was what he said leave, next. Leave right. it all on the floor. He was and losing then, his voice. Wow. He was and actually you know losing his voice. But, but yeah. then you know what he did, George? Because they played that part on TV, but not the stuff right. before that. Right. Okay, but then you know what he did? He looked down the bench, and he looked at Jamal Murray, and he started screaming at him, Jamal, Jamal, <laughs> I don't care if you miss. Just keep shooting. Just yeah. keep shooting. And dude... Yeah, you know, he said, I don't care if you miss, just play defense. What are we doing here? It's the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, Yeah. dude, from that moment on, seriously, Murray had the confidence, and that's when he started to go nuts. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those moments where a coach reached a player. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he's speaking of coaches, coach Dave Miller has just texted me. That's East Coast coaching. Well, he's definitely an East Coast guy. He's a New York guy. Well, this is part of the reason why I call him Mike Malone as opposed to Michael A. I just think it's funny. You but, wouldn't do it to his face, though. No, you shouldn't. Uh, when did that switch? Uh, you, a couple you know? years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. It was kind of similar to how Lawrence Fishburne used to be Larry. No, he didn't. No, he, no, did, he was no, never Larry Fishburne. Yes, he, he absolutely was. Look up his old credits. He absolutely was Larry Fishburne, and he made a point of saying, I'm an adult now. I want to be oh. called Lawrence. This is okay. true. I promise you it's true. But the All other right, thing, I'm Googling this right now. I know. Yeah, I, I don't believe I'm you. I'm 100%. Was Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, look it up. Like when he was in Apocalypse Larry Now Fishburne. and like Cotton Club and Rumblefish, he was Larry Fishburne. I mean, you all, you you know these facts way way more than I would about. That's why he's on the Culture Pop podcast. Exactly. He was, you were right. He was u- usually, not always, credited as Larry Fishburne until 1993. Yeah. Wow. You know what happened in 1993? Don't yeah. tell me, but uh, oh no, that Boys in the Hood was already what ninety one ish, ninety two ish. I can tell you what happened. He got an Oscar tell nomination me. for What's Love Got to Do with about, about it, and said, "Oh, I'm now Lawrence Fishburne." Oh. but also I was in Boys say, in the Hood, the, you know, he was that wise father, yeah, who always great. had those like silver balls in his hands mm-hmm. and he was juggling them around. Yeah, what are they? Uh, I call them worry balls. Worry balls. I actually have some of those at home. You do. Hmm. You rattle them around like Larry Fishburne. I do. When I when I want to like try to calm down or just center myself, I actually do use those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Michael um, is what he calls him. Uh, is what he calls himself. And uh, listen, if that's what he wants to be called, then that's then you got to respect that. Hey, mama, call him Clay. 
I'm calm <laughs> Right, exactly. Exactly. He clearly, though, wants to keep his team feeling like they are the disrespected oh, underdogs. Right, but that's yeah, the fine. move. Yeah, that is absolutely the move if I were him. Yeah, he's he's going to be looking for slights. Like he's just going to be looking. Well, for I mean, slights I no was watching the game and I had heard his quote from before the whole. You know, you'd think they won the whole series with six possessions of Rui on Hachimura. It was funny when he said it. Though. It was funny, and then Rui had like eighteen first half points, and I was like, "Ooh, maybe this not going to no, come want, back very I want well." Malone to really call. Yeah, out but Rui's LeBron defense was not as good. I know, Jokic but you, was tearing him up. But like the point was like sometimes when you go hard like that with a quote, it could have strained unintended it may not age well right yeah. like, and it really almost turned that into a not age well quote D'Lo yeah. <laughs> so far him calling out D'Lo hasn't fired him up D'Lo's right. minus 41 yeah yeah yeah. All right. Uh, crosstalk has ended. The weekend is uh, commencing for me and Momo. Let's get out of here. For Bergman, Cappy and Sedano. Little Prince for the road next. Andy? Uh, no I've done my. <laughs> Come on do it. <laughs> Someone's got to play it. Purple rain. No, I'm not doing acapella. I gotta have the music. All right. Gotta play it. You hear this, George? Wait till you hear this. Okay. I've been doing some Prince falsettos also. Purple rain. Purple rain. (laughs) I wish we had the YouTube on. Because he doesn't just sing it, he feels it. Purple rain. Oh, I I can feel him everywhere. Purple rain. Purple rain. Oh, he's even trying to do the echo. Only want to see you bathing in the purple rain. Wanna be your weekend lover. Get me out of here, Laura. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com it's friday cappy yep how are you feeling about this series, Cappy? Um, that depends. Like, depends? Like, the stuff you're going to wear because you're pooping yourself? No, no, no. Different depend. Hmm. That's the depend undergarment. Mm-hmm. This depends, you know, uh, meaning, like, on one hand, I got to deal with the obvious truth, right? When you're down 0-2, you are in big trouble. On the other hand... When you've won all your games in the postseason at home, you got two at home and you got two chances to even this thing up. So I was more confident about this series after game one and that comeback. 
I will admit I'm slightly less confident after last night and Denver's comeback. But, uh, I mean, Saturday night I'll have a much better indication for you. I can tell you that right now, George. I thought you said the other day that if they were down 0-2, you'd still be good to go. I am good to go. So I'm totally good win, to go. You mm. still think they're going? Do you think they're going to win four out of the next five? That's right. That's correct. That's right. Because I said seven games. Now I didn't expect them to be down 0-2, but I did say it was a seven-game series. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to think what, the Lakers what are going to come home. What makes you feel confident that they can they can still win this series? What makes me feel confident is, look, Jamal Murray blew up last night. Now I'm not saying he can't do that every night. He might, but. Last night, he just went nuclear in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen night after night. Well, I don't think he's going to score 23 in the fourth quarter. No, I don't think that that's going to happen. And I don't think he's going to score 37 in a game. Uh, well, that, I mean, he's capable of that. 100% he's capable of it. But, but so is Anthony Davis, because in game one, when he scored 41 points, then he turns around and he scores 18 points last night. So... I don't think we've seen the best of LeBron. In fact, last night I, I think we saw some, some of the worst of LeBron. But, um, I'll, I'll, George, I'll be honest. I mean, the thing that has me most concerned is that Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves are, I'm going to put this in quotes, more impactful than Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Well, I, I don't believe that to be the case. That's All right, well, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but come on, work with me here. I mean, work with me, brother. I mean, that, that's not so. There's way more on their plate than it is the other two guys. The other two guys eat because of those two guys being on the floor. So let, let's, keep, let's, let's keep the main thing the main thing here. All right. Now, let's start with this. Damn. I am not I, – I, I, look, for months, you, and you mentioned this the other day, I've been trying to tell people this is not the team you thought they were in the bubble. Like, that's not – that's three years ago. It's a different team. And they're legit good. They have a two-time MVP. And going into the series, remember the keys going into the series? I do. Do you? Well, yeah, I do. And we'll get to some of them. But one of them was, and people fought me on this, including Michael Trudell, okay, who I will probably have to have words with as this series evolves because there's still time. He may end up being right. I may end up being wrong. But I said, and he fought me vehemently on, the Nuggets have more impactful players than the Lakers on their roster. Well, take a time out there for a second. Uh, I'm going to have to say that I'm guilty as well. You know, um, when I looked around and, you know, listen, I, I, I didn't expect Michael Porter Jr. to put up 16 last time. I'm not saying he can't. Oh, he's, he's a nice I mean, he's, he's a, nice a player. natural scorer. Right, nice, I mean, he, nice if anything, player. If anything, I was stunned. Here's where I was stunned that the Nuggets came back to win that game. Because within the first five minutes of the game, that's not even an exaggeration. With 7-10 left on the clock, both Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope were on the bench with two fouls. So right there, I was like, ooh, okay. It's going to be one of those nights. And then they got back in the game. They were able to have some impact, although Michael Porter Jr. literally almost blew it at the end. Um, But Jamal Murray and Jokic were able to carry them. Jokic carried them through three quarters, and then Jamal... Brought them home. Yeah. but And the Lakers did not have that. Uh, LeBron, I thought, did a really good job through three quarters. I thought Rui and Reeves were there with him as, as you know, playing well. But Anthony Davis um, had a really tough game. Like, he was miserable at times in that game yesterday. No, and no I, thought, I thought he, particularly in the fourth quarter, I thought Anthony Davis and LeBron both showed 
poor judgment in their shot selection. Uh, yeah. Hold on. So, LeBron, listen, I said it the other day. You got to, unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on if he makes it or misses it, you got to live with LeBron taking those shots. And you're going to have to live with them or you're going to have to die with them. Yeah. But when you're this ice cold from long range, look around. Now, the only problem is when you look around and you find an Austin Reeves and Reeves gets some lucky, lucky bank shot three, you know, okay, he's starting to build some confidence. The thing I, I, it just drives me nuts is when Anthony Davis shoots three-pointers because the worst thing that can happen is he makes one. Once he makes one, he starts thinking he can shoot threes. And what is LeBron doing giving the ball to Anthony Davis to shoot threes late in the game? Is Anthony well, Davis a laser? Um, well, I, he trusts Anthony Davis, right, in that oh, scenario. That shot, now, George, terrible on, shot. No, a corner three, if it's open, is not a terrible shot. I, I, but it doesn't mean that there can't be a better shot. And I think that in that particular case, on his last corner three, there was a better shot. Because Aaron Gordon, who was on on the wing, just next to Anthony Davis, to Anthony Davis's left... Aaron Gordon was guarding Reeves, and he 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 all he kind of shaded towards AD, and if AD swung the ball one more time, Austin Reeves had an opportunity. Now with LeBron, the shot selection is one thing. I just think LeBron had a poor game offensively in a lot of ways, and it's not just the threes. Everyone's just focusing on the threes. No, no, no. LeBron, those two of the three threes that LeBron took in the fourth quarter were wide open. Now here's what I would say. Okay, sometimes you're open for a reason, which is kind of getting back to your point. And I think that they're like, okay, we'll sag off LeBron a little bit because we don't want him beating us in the paint because we know that's where LeBron is going to be the most effective. Well, you got to pick and choose, Cappy. Okay, it's no different than any sport. Like football is similar in this way too. You got to pick your poison at some point, right? You're going to have to give up something. But the question is, what are you willing to give up in those scenarios? Now, in the fourth quarter, to start the fourth quarter, let me give you the lineup that was out there, okay? And this is not to defend LeBron because I just criticized him, okay? But two of those three shots were open, and the guys out there with him on two on the first two shots, Dennis Schroeder, Lonnie, Rui, and Vando. You asked about lasers. None of those guys are necessarily lasers, okay? No, but what the, the spacing on the floor... If anything, LeBron, unfortunately, in that scenario, is kind of the spacer as much as that seems ridiculous. Look, I'm I'm not really – I get it. LeBron's ice cold from three-point range. I get it. And I'd love to see him do what he does well, which is find an open guy, be creative, and, and get somebody else involved that maybe has a better shot at the time. The one thing I don't want LeBron to do is give the ball to Anthony Davis to shoot threes. Okay, well, we can discuss this further on the other side. We also want to get into the breaking news at USC. Mike Bone has resigned. We'll get to that. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Stop. Uh. Drop. Turn yeah. around. Open up. Shop. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Oh. Yeah. That's a rough rider's roll. Uh. I'm guessing this is yeah. the uh, very limited... Um, uh. Radio edit of this song because Check there's it. a lot of words in this yeah. song that you can't say on Yo, the radio. The radio remix, George, is what this is right here, pal. Radio edit. Yeah, that too. <laughs> there's the so many words. This song, there are so many words in this song you can't say on, and like repeatedly, like constantly, like every other lyric. So I'm I'm shocked that there's a radio edit of this song. Period. It's oh. impressive. Very impressive. Got to reach mass appeal, George. <laughs> you know, you got to reach the masses, so you got to have a radio edit version. Yep. Oh. Like in some meantime, of Fox music. Yeah. By the Georgie. way, uh, rest in peace, DMX, who yep. passed away a couple years ago. That's right. R.I.P. So. George, I know a lot of people in the circle of trust asked me after the game last night if I would publish my game notes. Oh, yeah. I think we should do that at 6 o'clock. What do you yeah. think? I, I don't know that I need to publish them necessarily. I don't know oh, that but I we should to, talk about them, is what but you're I, saying. But I have, I have sent to George, everybody. Yeah. My game notes. These are my in-game notes. This is me writing notes to myself about everything I'm seeing in the game. Mm-hmm. And people are like, come on, let's see some analysis. Let's see these game notes. I have handed them off to Shidano for inspection. Okay. Let's, let's see what he thinks later we'll, on. We'll go over later. At 6 All o'clock, right. we can All go right. over those. Give me, give me a report card like you, were, right. like you give a coach a report card. Oh, I will. All right. Uh, all right. So before we get to the USC situation, let's just finish the Lakers conversation. I get that you don't want Anthony Davis taking threes. I get it. I totally get it. Um, Do you? But uh, I, I don't mind him taking a corner three when he's open. Like, I, I don't have an issue with that. But I mean, um, down and, the and, stretch. And in, and, in, and in rhythm, by the way. Like, I don't, I, don't ha- I don't have an issue with a guy taking a 22-footer when I know he can hit shots. You yeah, know what I mean? All like, I'm saying is, is that it, in, when you're in crunch time and you're looking around and you need somebody to hit a three, I'm sorry, but Anthony Davis is not my top guy. You know, oh, no, LeBron, I, 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 I get it, but if... If he's a corner three is one of the most efficient shots in the sport, and if you've got it and you got an open look at it, you take it every time. I, that that's generally the rule of thumb right now. Okay. Do you think those were like scripted plays? Like those are drawn up X's I, and O's? I, I, I you know I don't. I'd have to look back. You know I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if those were out of timeouts or whatnot. So I I don't I don't have the answer to that. Okay. Because I just to me it just got to a point where later in the game. It was only of, two of them. It wasn't that many of them. No, he, but he shot three threes late in the game. He hit one. Well, LeBron corner. shot three threes. No, but so did AD. AD, um, he had the one that he shot from the corner. Then he had the one that he missed from up top. And then he went back to the corner and he missed that one as well. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, well, geez, there's a guy who's been kind of getting pounded on all night by Jokic. Maybe, maybe he don't want to go in there tonight. I mean, this well, late in the game. So, so what I remember at the beginning of the season when I told you about wanting to make changes to the roster because LeBron is old. Like and what you what and I told you this a couple weeks ago, I said older players tend to drift towards the perimeter, and they've all done it. Okay, Michael did it, Kobe did it, LeBron's doing it, right? I mean, all of them. They've all done it. They drift towards the perimeter because going into the paint is hard, <laughs> and and you can't get by guys the same way like you were when you were twenty eight, like when you're thirty eight. 
So it it's it's not always easy. And look, the things that I saw yesterday that stood out to me about LeBron were just the miscues, uh, the euro step missing the layup, short on the layup, the trying to go reverse dunk yep, and yep. just the ball fumbling off his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so uncharacteristic right. that that to me stood out as much as anything. But there's one Those more. Are, there's but one that's more. what I mean. But that's what I mean by shot selection. Yeah. It's less about the threes. It's more about not finishing at the rim. Right. But you see, you just mentioned two very important plays. The very easy little layup that he should have put in, no problem, that he missed, which again, very uncharacteristic. The what should have been an easy dunk. And look, we all want the spectacular dunk. It fires up the team. Um, it quiets down the crowd. I get why you want to go for that kind of a dunk. Um and I expected him to make it like nine out of ten times. That was the one time he happened to miss it. But even later in the game, George, as the game was winding down, remember there's that inbound pass, and LeBron makes a spectacular interception yeah. on, on right in front of Jokic. He yeah. he he tiptoes across the line, the boundary, and he stays in bounds, and he goes directly to the basket, and he misses another layup. Right. And I'm well, not but saying that, it wasn't that, contested. But, but, but that but that one was also like he's off balance. He's trying I, to go I, up and under under the rim. Le, like that one. He's that one I could I could excuse. I get it, Cappy. But he's not Superman, dude. Like stop. He's thirty eight he years old. He's mortal. Okay. Okay. But he had just made such a brilliant defensive play. I get it. But he wasn't on. Ba- he wasn't balanced, and he missed but, the shot. Like that one, I can excuse. I can't excuse the two other ones. I, I'm not saying it's. Uh, listen, it was a tough shot, but he was right there at the basket. And he's LeBron James, and you're trying to make a comeback, and you've just made a great play. Hey, I think most of us expect him to make those kinds of shots. I, I get it, but if we're gonna, you're focusing on the time and score in that scenario, and that of all three of those, that one was by far the most degree of difficulty. Oh, I, I will grant you that. I agree with you, but those are six points. Sure, two of them. Two, two in the first half. Got a bigger issue with the uh, ones earlier in the game. Much, okay. much bigger issue. And, with and not, those are four without points. finishing those. Yeah, and those are four. All I'm saying is the difference yeah. in the game was five points. Right. So okay. Well, I, I mean, also, you know, he here's the other part. He's aging. Mm-hmm. He just he had to expend an incredible amount of energy defensively yesterday. He probably played the best defensive game he's played all postseason. Um, in the second half, when he was on Jokic, he did a really good job, particularly on Jokic. Um, and that's hard, you know, so it's, this is, this is part of the problem though, right? Like as great as their run has been, it's also like, Hey, this time of year, they're going to exploit your weaknesses. And that also means because they're going to exploit weaknesses, that means there's probably even more because of a shorter rotation in the playoffs on Anthony Davis and LeBron. And there's not four days rest like there was between Golden State and Den- and the first game in Denver. I think there, this is now every fair. other day. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And listen, you mentioned this, and a lot of other people did as well, before this even started, this Western Conference Finals. When these two teams met in the bubble in 2020, you had a lot of fouls to give because you had a lot of other beef on your roster yep. that could go out there and could defend against yep. Jokic. Yep. And now you're seeing that without a, th- a second and a third legitimate big body to throw at him, this all you really have is Anthony Davis now. You know? And that's the only body you've got. George, you know what is starting to worry me, though? You know, you asked me earlier, why would you still be confident down 0-2? 
And my confidence, I'll be honest, it has waned. But I said seven games, and I'm going to stick with seven games. Okay, fair enough. Let, let's get to USC here, because Om Young Masuk, who's covering this series for ESPN, he's on the Denver side, is going to join us in like five minutes. But real quick, we can start here and, and continue this conversation later. Um, your level, uh, your, your thoughts immediately when you saw Mike Bone resign, and now we've seen that uh, the LA Times story has come out where... Uh, there's a, a, an outside investigation group or, or group that was investigating kind of the workplace culture at USC at their athletic department. Yep. So when I heard this story earlier today about Mike Bone resigning, the very first thing I go to is, okay, there's something wrong here. Because let me explain something to you, George. You don't resign jobs like these. They fire you and they buy you out. But you don't voluntarily resign big-time jobs like the athletic director job at USC, particularly when you've gone out and gotten Lincoln Riley, when you've got a Heisman Trophy quarterback returning, when you've just gotten the number one male recruit in the country for basketball and female recruit in the country for basketball and Bronny James in basketball, and you've helped usher this organization into, the, into a new conference. George, you do not resign jobs like these. They right. pay too much money. Right. So when when that initial resignation was put out there, and then you know a couple hours later, um, and look, there were th- there were real things there that I think in regards to his tenure there that people and look that will be for anyone that will that the, I'm talking about just from a pure sports perspective. Um, you know, there was complaints about maybe butting heads with some of the NIL groups and things of that nature, even some butting heads with um, the hierarchy there at the school. But then you see this story about this internal investigation. They use an outside group to conduct this investigation about workplace culture. Uh, that, to me, leads to what you were just alluding to. Nobody nobody just resigns with this stuff unless perhaps there is something more to the story, and we saw in short order there was more to the story. Yeah, I mean, to me, when I see that Mike Bone resigns at USC, I think, one, something scandalous is going on because you don't give up jobs like that. Two, maybe there's some serious health concerns and maybe he's got to go deal with, with his own health. Uh, or three... You know, maybe they've pushed him out and and he's posed it as a resignation. One way or another, this isn't just some, hey, I decided I'm going to retire. You don't retire from being the athletic director at USC when you have just, in theory, cleaned up the entire organization and the future is more bright than it's ever been. You don't leave jobs like these. So something seems very strange. Well, we, um, I mean, we, we kind of see what it is. There's some workplace culture stuff there that people were not very happy about with him, and four people came forward, uh, and that's where this investigation started. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I did send Bone a, a text earlier today. I said, hey, I hope everything's okay. Um, I sent somebody else who, you know, a family member of his, hey, I hope, you know, everybody's all right. Like, I, I, this is all before this, this information came out. Right. I just wanted to make sure everybody was okay. Like, it wasn't some yeah. major health problem. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll find out. There will be more to come, I'm sure, and we can discuss this a little further here in a second. But Om Young Masuk, who's covering the NBA, who covers the NBA for us here at ESPN, he's on this series on the Denver side. We'll chat with him here on a Lakers reaction Friday on 710 ESPN in two minutes. Yeah, we never get this far into the song, George. We don't. Yeah, we just we do just the bing, do. bada bing, pada yeah, we, bing. That's all we do. Yeah, I mean that part is the good part, to be honest. Yeah. With you. No offense, but it's an eminence front. It's a put on. 
put it's on. also a Lakers reaction Friday, as you heard Christopher say here on 710. Lakers down 2-0. Uh, getting you pumped on what's on tap for Game 3 with the Western Conference Finals tomorrow night right here on the station. Uh, Tip-off at 5.30. Pre-game begins at 4 o'clock. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Refreshing and balanced flavor with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Please enjoy responsibly. Om Young Masuk does a phenomenal job covering the NBA for us here at ESPN and is on the Denver side of this, but obviously is focused on uh, both teams as they play. He's not just sitting there watching one side. So we can chat with him about a number of things, and maybe Cappy will ask him some more Air Force One questions at the end of this conversation, (laughs) like the last time he was on. Uh, But, Ohm, let's just look at it from the flip side of this, okay? I know you're on the Denver side, but if you're the Lakers side, what worries you the most right now? Um, my, my, my number one thing going into the series for the Lakers was that Anthony Davis had to be the better big man. He had to, he had to, for four games in this series, be the better big man than Jokic. Make Jokic have to defend inside the paint, draw, draw, get him into foul trouble, um, be able to drive by him and blow by him and score, um, make him work. And I haven't seen that. Like, I think like, you know, I was talking to Zach Lowe today on his podcast, and he was. we were talking about Anthony Davis's 40 points in game one. And I said, you know what? His 40 points were big, but they were nowhere near as impactful as Jokic's, like, 33 right. points in the first three quarters when he had yep. a triple-double. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the statement that was made and the opening. Like, it was the opening firing shot where Nikola Jokic was like, you are not going to be able to guard me one-on-one. I am going to take you whenever I want. Sure, you might stuff me a couple times in the paint, but I'm going to score. And when he did that, I was like, oh, boy, this is not a good sign for the Lakers because you needed Anthony Davis to not only be alpha Anthony Davis on the offensive end, but you knew you could count him defensively that he was going to at least slow down Jokic or bother him. And then it turns out they got to put Rui Hachimura on him to let AD Rome instead. So I think like the one concern for me going into this series as it turns back to Los Angeles is that Anthony Davis right from the get-go has to be aggressive. He has to take it to Jokic. He has to get Jokic in foul trouble. And he has to make Jokic have to defend him at the rim. None of this like little jumpers from the outside, which we know AD is good at. No, I want to see AD drive into him, draw fouls, and score. Well, that is really well said because this is exactly the conversation we were just having before you came on the air, Ohm, which is last night I was saying to George, Anthony Davis is not considered a laser. And and I realize the Lakers may not have one, dating back to the very first press conference of the year when LeBron told us they didn't have one. But Anthony Davis isn't one, so why is he standing outside shooting threes late in that game? And it's just my own opinion, which is because he's been getting pounded on and he doesn't want to go to the rim. And that's what he has to do. Look, you know, Cap, I think they looked tired at the end of game two. Clearly, LeBron, I mean, he was settling for three-pointers that were falling short. Um, LeBron obviously missing a dunk, missing a couple of layups that we're not used to. I don't know if the altitude had an effect. Perhaps it did, the thin air. You know, I mean, Anthony Davis toward the end looked like he didn't really want to – the guys didn't look, look like they wanted to bang with Jokic. Yes. Ron was in there banging with him, but that takes a toll, you know? And so, like, 
at the end, when you're trying to run down Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and KCP and Bruce Brown off all these screens, and you're running into Jokic over and over and over again into his big body, that takes a toll on you, especially with the thin air. So I just think they got to come back, reset, and be the aggressors. I thought they were kind of like that at the beginning of game two, but they didn't take advantage of the fact that Michael Porter Jr. and KCP and even Christian Brown picked up two quick fouls and were all in foul trouble, which kind of basically jumbled up Michael Malone's rotation. He even had to throw in Reggie Jackson at the end of the first quarter. They didn't take advantage of that. Like, these are things that they had to do. And, and again, like, I, I remember looking at the screen at one point, and I was like, Nikola Jokic only has one foul in the third quarter. I was like, how is this even possible? The Lakers have to be drawing more fouls off Nikola Jokic. Yeah, agreed. They got to put him in more pick and rolls. Jokic, I'll, I'll give him credit. He defended his ass off last night. I, I thought that that was the best defensive performance I'd seen from him, at least this season, in the games I've seen him up close. And I've probably been there like a handful of times this year in that building. So I, I was I was thoroughly impressed. Now, let me ask you this. The D'Angelo Russell conundrum. He's minus 41 in the series. Now, I don't think it's the biggest problem they have. Um, but I think it's an issue. Uh, where are you on D'Angelo Russell? My hope, if I'm a Laker fan or if I'm the Lakers, is that when he comes home, he plays much better like most role players do. But the problem is that you need D'Angelo Russell to be better than a role player. And so, like, I, I, I you know, he cannot, it, you know, he's not going to be able to match Jamal Murray, but he also can't be minus 41. So it's like, you know, he's got to be able to contribute and stay on the floor. You know what was really funny, George? It's like after game one on the off day, it, Bruce Brown comes out and says, yeah, our goal was to attack D'Angelo Russell because we knew he wasn't as good on defense. Bruce Brown did add this caveat. He does try, but we know that we had to attack him, make him move his feet. And I was like, who? You don't hear this very often in the playoffs where somebody kind of singles out another guy and says, our game plan was to attack this guy. Then Michael Malone, unsolicited, when he's talking about, you know, the narrative that, oh, we won game one, yet everybody's talking about the Lakers and how they may have found something with Rui against Jokic. Out of the blue, he just goes, yeah, you know, both teams have kind of showed their hand a little bit um, in game one. And he goes, and I thought it was interesting that their starter, D'Angelo Russell, did not play in the fourth quarter. And that's a storyline to watch. <laughs> like, Malone was like, I felt like the Nuggets were trying to get into D'Angelo Russell's head. Yeah. And as if they weren't already in his head after game one, you know, when he's out there shooting baskets after game one on the floor. So I was like, oh, this is, this is interesting. It's like the Nuggets are also playing a little mental warfare to try and get into D'Angelo Russell's head. And so far, I think they've done that. Yep. I mean, through two games, he hasn't really made any contribution at all. Oh, let me ask you this. There's a moment in this game where uh, Murray is 5 for 17 from the field. And there's a timeout. And Malone is shouting at the team, come on, guys, leave it on the floor. This is the Western Conference Finals. And at least based on what I thought I heard, he looks over at Jamal and he's like, Jamal, I don't care. Keep shooting. I don't care if you miss. I wonder if anybody asked Malone about that moment in the postgame because it, it definitely changed Murray's confidence. At least that's what I think happened. Anybody? Yeah, so he... He, he did. He was asked about it, and he said that with Murray, he knows that all it takes is one shot to go in, 
and then the floodgates open. He, he's that type of shooter. And so that's why he said, I don't care if you, if you keep missing shots. I just want you to keep shooting, keep defending, keep doing all the other things to be engaged. And I think the Nuggets know, and I spoke to one player last night in the locker room who told me, with Jamal Murray, a lot of it is mental. He's so hard on himself, that, and he, he thinks a lot that he overthinks sometimes. He can overthink missing these shots. And it's not a, like, he's not, it's not that he's a streaky shooter. He's a great shooter. But when he's missing, like he did in, in, I think, in Phoenix, at one point he was like, he missed 14 of 15 three-pointers, and a lot of them were open shots. Sometimes he can get in his own head. And so he even said, Jamal Murray said at halftime, he likes to meditate. At halftime he meditated to reset himself. And that allowed him to, like, in the fourth quarter, once he saw the first shot go in, then it was the floodgates were open, and he started hitting a lot of shots. And, and then it was just like, you know, it was an avalanche of threes for the Lakers. Um, before we let you go, we got less than a minute here. Um, how many times are we going back to Denver? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I think we're still going back game five. I don't think we're going to get back to a Game 7. That is a very tall task for the Lakers to force a Game 7. Now, I will say this. In the Phoenix series, I really thought after those first two games in Denver, I was like, ooh, this could be a sweep. And we ended up coming back to Game 5 tied to all. So, but, the, but Denver went back to Phoenix and just crushed them in Phoenix. And so, like... I can see a similar scenario happening here where even if the Lakers win the next two games, oh, man, it's going to be a tall task to go into Denver. they got to deal with that altitude in less than 24 hours. Like, they're in L.A. at this level, and then all of a sudden they got to go to Denver and adapt to that altitude in less than 24 hours. That could be tough. And then bring it back to L.A. and then try to win another one. That's, that's a, you're asking for a lot. So I mm-hmm. think at least game five, George, at least game five. All right, Om Young Masuk does a phenomenal job covering the NBA for us here at ESPN. Uh, normally based here in L.A., covering the L.A. teams, but covering the Denver side in this series. Omi, thank you, thank you for the time, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Cap. Keep up that Black Air Force One energy. Keep it up. Dude, I'm getting some black ones with the white stripe with the white base so that they're a little more black and white right now. So I'm Because yeah, the black ones are yeah. just ugly. They are. They're ugly. Uh, we got some work to do, George. We got some work to do with the boy. <laughs> All right, Ohm. Thank you, buddy. I feel like that's a constant theme with you. We've got some work to do. You have no idea, brother. Let me tell you something. I am just on the, about to go on a, an Air Force One binge. I've been searching okay. the websites. Yeah. I think you're going to be impressed. All right. Uh, coming up at 545, Bruce Feldman is going to join us to talk about this situation at USC with Mike Bone resigning. Uh, we'll talk to the athletic and Fox Sports college football insider uh, who is based here in Southern California in a little bit. So stick around for that at 545. But coming up next, who's getting the most heat? Is LeBron getting too much heat? Not enough heat? The right amount of heat? What about AD? Ruin Reeves. Should we see more? We'll get to all that coming up next. 